Okay, Bill, are we ready? Sure, Paul. Oh, wait. Be right back. I need my Avengers omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? While Bill looks for that, let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner... Just say his name three times in an email, and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, sorry, sorry. I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Ow, put Cap's shield there. (laughs) Anyway, we're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's it's on that book, and I can't move it. Sure thing, Dad. Where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! no! Watch out for the repulsor! Ow! Oh! Ah! Ah! Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die. They just get reassembled and sent to another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover, and who might stop by? So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, Acts of Vengeance, the Kree-Skrull War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna Saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? Hey, wait a minute. This is the book of the Vashanti. Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. feels like I just spoke to you. Really? It feels yeah. like it's been a long, long time. I know. I know it has been for the listeners, but not for us. Through the magic of behind the scenes. <laughs> the the time-traveling wonder of Back to the Bins. <laughs> yes. So, we believe that this is somewhere... Oh, by the way, I am uh, Bill Robinson, and this is my friend, Mr. Paul Spataro. Hello. And this is back to the bins, minus as usual. Oh, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, someone's biological clock is ticking. Well, I hate to bring it up because I know you got enough pressure on you already. But we agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. Meanwhile, ten years later, my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. Lisa, I don't need this. I swear to God, I do not need this right now, okay? I got a judge that's just aching to throw me in jail. An idiot who wants to fight me for $200. Slaughtered pigs. Giant loud whistles. I ain't slept in five days. I got no money. A dress code problem. And a little murder case, which in the balance holds the lives of two innocent kids. Not to mention your biological clock. 
my career, your life, our marriage, and let me see, what else can we pile on? Is there any more shit we can pile on to the top of the outcome of this case? Is it possible? Maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. And he couldn't be here with us. Someone talks about me getting old, and yet he needs his beauty sleep. It's oh, I, I, I have to go to bed because I am on this new time schedule at work where I get up with the sun. <laughs> so some of us aren't vampires like you and Chris there, Mr. Uh, Mr. Gardner. So we have no pity for you. <laughs> it's, I, I, you can... I was fully under the impression that when we work the night shift that Tomanzo pays us double time. Well, you see, but they go by the time it is in Milan, not the time it's here. Yeah, but for, you know, they could pay us triple time because when you, my my recollection of math is when you multiply anything by zero, it still comes out to zero. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. I remember one time when I was, uh, when I was a wee lad working and, um, this guy comes up and says, "Wow, man, they got this new, this new drug out that quadruples your sex life." I'm like, "Really? Well, you know what? Four times zero is still zero. <laughs> so, don't tell my wife. <laughs> of course, she knows that already. Yeah, if she doesn't know, then you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, so we're back again. We've had a." Uh, Free comic book day uh, has come and went. We, we we both have some interesting little stories to tell. Um, you want to go ahead with your news first? Sure. Uh, I went with my buddy and my kids, and we went to uh, Best Comics over on Jericho Turnpike. I believe it's in Newhart Park, but I'm not really sure. But it's about 15 minutes from here. And it's a pretty decent store. And they had J.C. Vaughn who is a writer, and Vincent Spencer, who is an artist. Now, J.C., I know, has worked at Valiant Comics, and he's done. he works with Overstreet. And he and Vincent do a book together called Zombie Proof, which I have not read to date, but they were such great guys. I plan on reading it now. Uh, and they had the free comic book day books, uh, you know, the ones where we have the book with the blank cover, that, oh, that yeah. can be sketched on. So mm-hmm. Vincent was doing uh, sketches. And when I came up and I purchased something from them, and then Vincent was going to do a sketch for me, and he took the book, and you could see he was pondering what, what to draw. And uh, I pointed to my son. I said, do you think you could do him? So he drew a zombie version of my son, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when we were in the store a few minutes after that, I could see my daughter kind of pouting a little bit that my <laughs> son got the cool zombie picture. So I went back and I said, guys, I don't mean to be a greedy, you know, SOB, but am I asking too much if I ask if you can do one of our two? And they, they said, no, not at all. That's, you know, that's why we're here. You know, we love to do this stuff. So he did another one of her, uh, which she took a picture. They, they each took a picture with Vince and he was, they were both great. They really were great guys. Uh, and she had a huge smile, and she said it was a great picture. And then when we got home, she was like, no, but it's creepy because I'm dead in the picture. <laughs> Whoa! Dude, that's creepy. 
And what was cool was uh, Vincent also, he said, uh, you know, I only wish I knew when I drew your son that I was going to do her too because he, he even like built a little storyline into it because he gave her a piece of flesh missing on her neck and, and he, he said, well, this is when she saw her brother and went over to help him and he bit her neck and turned her into a zombie. He said, if I had known it when I was drawing him, I would have had the piece of flesh hanging out of his mouth. Oh. <laughs> So he came with a whole storyline for the two of them, and it was really cool. We really enjoyed it. How about you? How was your free comic book day? Oh, good, good. Um, you know, one thing I've been thinking of getting at my free comic book day, we had a lot of artists and uh, writers and such there, is um, like a mini recorder. Do you have a mini recorder? I have one. I don't even know exactly where it is, uh, but I don't, I, I don't think the quality is all that good on it. So I, I really... yeah need to get something better perhaps uh the listeners will donate to two true Fre- two true freaks to get us one Ooh, <laughs> just a <Well>, thought <laughs> yeah yeah well at uh at my free comic book day um we had um took it took place in the local shopping mall uh which is about a mile from from my house uh i've gone to Yancey Street Comics for about 10 years now. I've actually helped them move. Every time they've moved the store, I usually help them. And now that my son's old enough, he helps them too. And um, this this last time, they've, they've been in the mall for about two or three years, and they moved across the mall about a year ago. And uh, this free comic book day was one of the biggest. Uh, they made a small local newspaper. Um, they had about 2,000 to 2,500 people came out uh, not all at once <laughs> and um they had an array of guests we had billy tucci woohoo we stole him from you yeah he's a long island guy so i was really surprised to see him man he was there. he he uh i know you saw the pictures that i put on facebook mm-hmm. and i put it in the um in the two true freaks feed but man he had a lot of people he he was swarmed because he was doing small fr- free sketches for kids Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get in line and wait because uh, my wife needed the car, and uh, I had to get back with the car. Oh, so you didn't get a chance to talk to him? No, he's no. he's a pretty engaging guy. Uh, if oh you yeah, get a there chance. was every time I swung by there was like three people deep. So and I was trying to you know hit everything. Uh, we had a lot of people in costume, um, and um, some some good news for Yancey Street Comics. Well. It might have been bad news because they were going to be kicked out of the space that they were in at the mall. But now they're getting moved over to a larger store. And they're going to now include gaming, late night gaming. They're located in the Gulfview Square Mall here in uh, wonderful Port Ritchie, Florida, also known as God's Waiting Room. <laughs> Although not much anymore because most of the uh, the patients have moved on. <laughs> They've already had their ticket stamped? Yes, Exactly. So uh, uh, if you happen to be in, in the Port Ritchie area and uh, you'd like to visit Gulfview Square Mall, c- come on over. Yancey Street Comics is located. The, they're now going to be right next to Dillard's at the, uh, at the north end of the mall. So it's a good store. The guy that, the guy that runs it, uh, he and I went to high school together. We've been friends for years. It's a good place to go. They also have an o- online site. Uh, I believe it's yanceyst.com. Uh, or yancystcomics.com. So check them out. And also at Free Comic Book Day, they had some good 
good um, deals. I bought two more hardback editions of Walking Dead. So I now have all uh, eight of the Books of the Dead. I believe the ninth book is coming out soon. And the pre-warm-up sale, the free comic book day, I got another omnibus. I got the Fantastic Four John Byrne Volume 1 omnibus, $125. I got it for 75% off. Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I got to get this. How many and issues it, are in there? Oh, I don't even – it's – I think it's more than 30 because they've got they've got some of the, uh, the John Byrne uh, Marvel team-up stuff too with the, with the Human Torch. Um, and there's a couple annuals in there. It's a lot. I think it goes from the start where it was like 232. I think it goes well beyond the trial of Galactus. It might even go up to 250. I guess it'd have to because of 232. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking this. There's, there's a probably, lot in there. There's got to be a minimum of 30 issues in there. So I mean, it's I I just got the Avengers omnibus a while back, and there was 30, uh, 30 in that, right? That yeah, there was 30 in that, and this is at least another half an inch thicker. So it's got to be close to 40 issues, I would think. Just off the top of my head, and then seventy five percent off is what, like uh, thirty something dollars? Yeah, yeah, it was like thirty four dollars because there was uh, he bought a buttload of them because there was a special um, from Diamond, which everybody knows is the only distributor, and he had a whole table full of uh, of graphic novels. You know, there was a bunch of Avenger stuff, Iron Man. You know, with the new movie that that was coming out so he had a ton of stuff and i was like you know what 75 percent off i'll spend 30 bucks for that because that was a that was a steal that was great so because i mean i've got most of those 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 issues already but now it's a larger format it's easier to read the colors pop it's nice yeah I, i find it's much much easier to read things in the bound formats than it is to start going through long boxes and pulling them Mm-hmm. So it just makes it more accessible, I guess. Until you get so many bound editions that you start putting them in long boxes because you have nowhere else to keep them. <laughs> well, with these you really can't. With the the omnibuy, I think that is the plural of omnibus. It's not omnibuses or omnibibble. Omnibibble. <laughs> we ride the bus. You ride the bus. They ride the bus. Come on, what you movie was that? <laughs> Come on, what movie was that? Was it a movie? I am a big movie guy, and I don't. I don't know. I quoted that movie earlier. I, I well, I paraphrased that earlier tonight on Facebook when I said uh, my 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 mother threw me in the sun once. 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 Wasn't that uh, what was that movie with Michael Keaton? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Dangerously. You are correct, sir. Yeah, that's when the guy's going to the chair, and uh, the priest is going. You know, he's going domino, domino. You know, we ride the bus, they ride the bus. Dominus Obisco, Obisco. Espiritus Santo. Hey, Gustavus. So long, Johnny. Me, Gustavus. You, Gustavus. We miss the bus, they miss the bus. Be brave, huh, Johnny? When's the next bus? Always, now. Sun come laude, magna come laude, the radio's still laude. Adjusted Fidelis, Semper Fidelis, High Fidelis. Why didn't I take a shot? Post-Meridian, Anti-Meridian, Uncle-Meridian, all the little Meridians. Bye, Johnny. Bye, Rock. The Magna Carta, 
Master Charger. Spit in his eye, Johnny. Doom Pro Kelly. Okay, bye bye. Lots of vitalis. Do you have any last words, Johnny? All right. I'm, I'm actually, I guess we've got off on a tangent. I'm actually pretty happy with myself that I remember the movie because I think I actually <laughs> saw that movie once. once. Yeah, that was... <laughs> oh, you got me. Yeah, I, but I, I think that's actually the reality of it. So, <laughs> oh, Omar Sharif, this means Fargan War. These Fargan ice holes. Okay, I guess we're tangenting too much. No email tonight. We're going to hold off. I think we're going to be able to do another email episode so uh have a fair amount of email but i think a lot of it kind of calls for some some scott attention scott centric yeah so rather than hit on it and have us comment on things that scott should be touching on we're going to hold off on it until we can get his lazy butt into the uh into the studio to record you know i think he didn't want to do this one because he knew he was going to get the indie and i told him he is in Indie punishment hell, and when he comes back, I don't care what book he thinks he's going to do, he's going to come back and do Captain Canuck. Yeah. Scott is that indie timeout. That's right. He misses all these shows, and you know he knew he was going to be the indie this time. Oh yeah, I think I'll. Uh, oh, I'm tired. We're not doing another indie until Scott is on. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. We'll just yeah. keep shifting back and forth between Marvel and DC. Better be a good one, Gardner. <laughs> You better, you better synopsize the hell out of that Captain Canuck book. <laughs> I want a panel by panel breakdown, in triplicate. Right. Oh, so yes, yeah, so we're gonna skip the the emails tonight. Um, and I, uh, and we were talking about doing our Iron Man three reviews today, but I think we're gonna wait for uh, Comics Monthly Monday, which through the Back to the Future time machine. You will probably hear before this is posted, but we have not recorded yet. Oh, my brain! My brain hurts. <laughs> I I only have two words to say about Iron Man. Bleep yeah! <laughs> I know yours are bleep eh. <laughs> well, that was that was uh, you know my my review is somewhat muted on the Facebook page. All I said was I was disappointed. Uh, but not, I don't want to give my full review, but just, I think I let my expectations get away with me, which is something I was trying very hard not to do. Yeah. I'm, I just, I took my son and I just kind of saw it through his eyes and we had a good time. And, but if I'm on the comics monthly Monday, we'll talk about it there. So, all right. Well, I guess that means I need to open up my book. And uh, this is kind of a, uh, are we ready? We ready to start the books? Uh, ready when you are. Okay. This is kind of a homage to, to you, Mr. Spataro. Uh, I, I'm touched. Well, because Literally. you did. <laughs> Not by me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean touched in the head. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But um, as I, I wanted to do a what if and I couldn't find one and then boom. What popped up to me was uh, volume two of What If, number 42. What if Spider-Man had kept his six arms, which is the um, um, the What If. I mean, if anyone is not familiar with What If, it's basically like Elseworlds, although What If came out before Elseworlds. But uh, however you're familiar with an alternate take or an alternate universe version of a book, this is it. 
you know, what happens when one simple thing changes in the uh, course of a story and how we get a, you know, a new end result. And basically this is uh, what if Spider-Man never lost his four extra arms, which was what Paul covered in Amazing. Uh, you you covered in two different shows with Amazing Spider-Man 100 and 101, if I remember correctly. And 102 still on hold to be covered eventually. Right. So, but but this won't spoil any of uh, any 102. I don't no, think it, not goes, at all. it doesn't go that far, really. And, you know, because once it gets beyond a certain point, everything is really changed then. Poor, poor, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. As if it isn't bad enough that his Aunt May is ill and he's having a problem with lovesick Betty Brandt, he's also got not one, but two deadly, grotesque goblins to worry about. And even when we finally get to see the Green Goblin unmasked, if you think that's the end of old Webhead's troubles, think again. Because here comes the most horrible, horrific supervillain of all. So we have, like I said, volume two of What If, number 42. Uh, cover date is October of uh, 1992. And this went for a whopping 125 uh, Comic book stole a $1.25. I miss those days. I do not know who is the cover artist on this. I, I didn't quite do all my homework. Um, the credits are... It looks very similar to the art, in, the interior art. Which so, is Kevin West. So I would say it's very possible that he did the cover as well. Yeah, and it's 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 uh, written by... Well, actually, actually, the inside credits are kind of funny because it says, what if Michael Gallagher wrote it? What if Kevin West penciled it? What if Ian Aiken inked it? What if Ken Lopez lettered it? What if Tom Vincent colored it? What if Craig Anderson edited it? And what if Tom DeFalco slept through it? <laughs> so as always in a what if comic, we begin with the Watcher, which uh, the, he's just creepy in his own way. Because, you know, what is he watching when he's not watching the Marvel Universe? But we won't ask that question. It's, hey, hey, Watcher, what are you doing? Well, I like to watch. <laughs> get, he, get out of here, man. You're creeping me out. <laughs> he likes to watch, and he wears a toga with go-go boots. Mm. Add gold your own lemme, line. Gold, gold lemme gloves and go-go boots. <laughs> with a big high-neck robe and a toga. Mm. And an amulet. <laughs> That looks like an eye. Even better. <laughs> and he's bald. What if the Watcher was Yul Brenner from the Ten Commandments? Yeah, there we go. Whoa! Dude, that's creepy. Anyway. <laughs> so, quick recap of what happened in the original. Spider-Man was tired of... Uh, I, he was sick of being Spider-Man, and of course, like any good scientist does, he experiments on himself without any testing of... Uh, of laboratory animals or small mice and uh, decides to remove his powers with a formula and poof, he grows himself an extra four arms. Whoops. So um, where the story picks up is he already has his four arms and uh, we cut to that mysterious freighter that was off the coast with people screaming on board. And, uh, we have Morbius, the living vampire, on board, just 
going through everybody, killing everybody. His bloodlust is driven him crazy, and he dives off the ship to swim to shore. And on the way, a bunch of sharks, not from West Side Story. Boy, like that. Bite your neck. <laughs> I like to be in the water, sharks. All the sharks are going to bite me now. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> We're off the rails. <laughs> See, we have no parental guidance. <laughs> so we need Scott. Except he, had he wanted us all to go to bed early. That's right. He went to bed early, and the, and the maniacs are running the asylum. So anyway, Morpheus is trying to uh, swim to shore, and uh, God, I almost went into oh the shark bite. Hey, <laughs> the teeth, teeth, yeah, and he's got pearly whites. Shark like so, that, swallow your whole. <laughs> ship went down. Seven hundred men got in the water. Three hundred came out. Sometimes shark go away. Sometimes it won't. We're going to need a bigger boat. All right. But Morbius dies like a biatch. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. He takes out the one shark. Oh, hey, oh yeah. What kind of shark bite is Did the shark bite him or did the shark ram him? Conk. <laughs> and uh, Morbius goes, who dares? He spins and he cracks the jaw. He cracks the the smooth move takes the shark's mouth, cracks it open, pours more blood into the water that attracts even more sharks. And they just have the Morbius buffet. And the only thing is left is his little straps, little scraps of clothing that wash upon the shore. And as we see, uh, the six armed, uh, Peter Parker walking on the beach with the Incredible Hulk sad walking away man music playing. Cure is so close. I can almost feel it. But where? Where? So, because Morbius didn't bother to take a shower before he jumped in the water and killed all the sharks, and then they ate him. Well, he killed the one shark, and then the rest of the sharks ate him. Now, Peter will will not be able to get the cure to lose his arms. So... Like any uh, any good uh, former college student, he goes to his uh, previous professor, who is the lizard. Well, Kurt Connors. And, um, you know, nothing like, uh, you know, really put, putting a guy under pressure that shouldn't be under pressure because, I don't know, he tends to transform into a raging lizard that's a killer. So, you know, let's just uh, really put him under pressure and then try to calm him down. Well, too late. So Connors turns into the lizard and basically uh, through uh, Fighting McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, was it 2011? I can never remember. Um, they uh, come to fisticuffs. Spidey webs them up. Connors comes out of it after Spider-Man is able to whip up the antidote with his six arms, shoves it, and, I, I, you know... I guess having six arms can be handy because he can pry open a lizard's mouth and shove the antidote down his throat pretty easily having the extra hands. So he changes back and um, basically Connors tells him, says, look, I'm sorry. I, I can't do anything else for you. You're going to have to go to the, the world's leading expert on mutations, Professor Charles Xavier. So Spider-Man heads off to the upstate mansion. In New York, probably up where by uh, well, no, you don't live in 
upstate New York. You live out? No. No. So, uh, but they're, they're in Westchester, so, you know, just hop over to Throg's Neck Bridge and you're pretty much there. Oh. So, <clears throat> he's he's going on the grounds, runs into the beast, who gives him a, uh, a, baseball, ref- a baseball reference calling him Shoeless Joe. I don't know how many people would uh, would get that. I only got that from watching, uh, oh, Kevin Costner's movie, Field of Dreams. Exactly. Well, it's, the... it's it's a recent reference though, because he was around in uh, oh, 1919. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a reference for you and Stan Lee, but <laughs> we, well, we, we we often talk about it when we're having dialysis together. This is Stan Lee's front door. We were on Stanley's curb, then we were on Stanley's walk, and now we're at Stanley's front door. Yep. Oh, Lord, you just rang Stanley's doorbell. It's Stanley's house. We're about to go in and have milk and cookies with Stan Lee. Okay, sweetie, I don't know if we're going to have cookies or he's just going to say hi or really what's going to happen, so just let me talk and... Yeah. Are you Stan Lee? Oh, damn. Hi, I'm Penny. This is my friend Sheldon. We're not friends at the moment. Depends on how this goes. Right, right. Anyway, Sheldon here is a huge fan of yours, and he was supposed to meet you the other day at the comic book store, but he kind of ended up in jail. I see. And you thought you'd just come over to my house uninvited? You said we were invited. Oh, no, no. I said I'm inviting you to come with me to Stanley's house. You know, you fanboys are unbelievable. Do you think you can just ring my doorbell anytime you want? I mean, why don't you just come on in and watch the Lakers game with me? Well, I'm not much of a sports fan, but thank you. Sorry, he doesn't really understand sarcasm. Well, I'll give him something he'll understand. Joni, call the police! Nice to meet you. Okay, we we won't pick on you about that anymore. So he goes to another, uh, some more expositional fighting and with the X-Men, with Cyclops and Iceman and uh, Angel until finally uh, it's all broken up by Professor X and Marvel Girl. Usually I can do that. There we go, Marvel Girl. And, um, and my computer's frozen. Oh, because I'm hitting the wrong key. (laughs) And this has to be one of the best scenes of the comic as uh, not only has Spider-Man mutated and he has four extra arms, but he's about to turn into a jackass. So as Professor X tells him, well, yeah, pretty much uh, your transmutation is irreversible. I know how you must feel, Spider-Man. Believe me, I do. And I'm sorry. So here's where Peter Parker becomes the jackass. All I want is my normal life back, and instead I'm going to be a sideshow freak, a social outcast, uh, a cripple. Wah, wah. Well, Professor Xavier's <laughs> sitting there saying, oh, yeah, poor you. Could you help me wheel this over? <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm sorry, Professor. I'm at the end of my rope. Poor lad, he's boarding on a break. No, nah, it's not what he's thinking. He's like, F you, man. <laughs> I'm in this freaking chair. And then he's given a, uh, a rousing speech by uh, uh, um, the prof decides to tell him about uh, 
Franklin Roosevelt and Helen Keller and how he should be a boycott and I'm not boycott. Man, I'm just all over the just all over the place tonight. He should, you know, he should stand up and be a symbol for people with disabilities. Well, does he really have a disability? He's got extra arms. It's not like he has no arms or he's lost some legs. I mean, he's got extra arms. Come on. Is that really a disability? I mean, he could make coffee quicker in the morning. He could pack his lunch. He could, There's so many things he could be doing. I don't see this, you know, I think he's taking us all the wrong way. There's so many things he could be doing, and some of which we can't even mention on this because it's guess. a family-friendly podcast. That's right. We don't want the explicit tag. So, again, he does the sad walk goodbye and because uh, he doesn't know what else to do. And Professor X is thinking someone like Spider-Man could could mitigate these oncoming troubles that I foresee. Bad times for all mutants are coming. So now we cut back to Manhattan and uh, Peter Parker is still trying to decide what he what he can do. How can he face his family and friends? We we have a vision of him going to see good old Aunt May. And of course, in his vision, he he comes in, and the first thing Aunt May does is clutch her heart and pass out. Eek, Eek my, my heart. heart. <laughs> Aunt May, no. And again, Peter has the custom-made windbreaker. Yes, the six-arm windbreaker that you can buy now at your local JCPenney. So he decides to but, go to the FX. Actually, you can get it at Amazon. Please go through the two True Freaks website. Oh, yes, 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 yes. There's, there's a ton of those there, yes. Uh, they're made by little old ladies in Barstow. Um, so he decides to visit the FF and, um, and, you know, and again, he's already gone to two people that have told him it's permanent. So I don't know what he was thinking here for Mr. Fantastic. I guess it was like the last dish, the last, you know, please tell me everybody else is wrong. And he's like, nope, you're just, just permanent. About that time, the thing walks in poor, unassuming Ben Grimm. Hey, Webbs, I got to tell you something. Just throw it, Grim. <laughs> and he smacks the cigar out of his mouth. And the thing's, what? <laughs> Almost like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> so Spidey just lays into him about, I don't need to hear a lecture about how I got to live as a monster. And the thing just backhands him across the room, just like he deserved it. Because, you know, he's really being whiny this whole book. So Mr. Fantastic calms everybody down and, uh, you know, Peter's, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just stressed out. And uh, the thing tells him, well, anyway, I came in and told you that Dr. Octopus is holding hostages at City Hall and you need and he's demanding that Spidey get down there and show up. So out the window he goes to go confront Doc Oct, the new and possibly improved Spider-Man. And uh, meanwhile... We have Doc Ock holding his hostages, calling out for Spider-Man, and uh, from up on a up on a rooftop, he flashes down the spider signal into Doc's eyes, and it says, "Basically, you want me? You got me. I hope you're fond of surprises." And we have a lovely panel of Doc Ock with wide-eyed, surprised look, like, "What the? Because I've got six six arms for you, buddy." And. Uh, Spider-Man makes short work of him, webs him up, turns him over to the cops. <laughs> the cops looking at him like, 
uh yeah thanks uh this is too weird weird even for new york and now uh good old j jonah jameson never to pass up a uh a way to get back at spider-man really thinks he's a freak and decides he wants to uh hammer him down hard but it backfires because actually the people actually uh accept him more and he starts to have a turnaround and um now, the, the only thing that's still lacking in his life is that he can't uh, he can't see, you know, he, he can't be with any of his loved ones because, you know, it would freak him out. They would obviously know he's Spider-Man. So finally, after a few months, he gets a call from um, Mr. Fantastic and he goes back. And I have not read this particular story, but I know that on the Fantastic cast, the guy should be coming to it soon. It's from Fantastic 439. Basically, there was a point at which they uh, were... Uh, wore certain types of uh, of a suit that simulated the powers um, that simulated the Fantastic Four powers. So Reed built these arm sheets, and with them he's able to hide the extra arms, basically like a stealth suit for his arms. Um, and Peter's able to, now with the use of these arms, he's able to finally, finally, and, and th- this is some real quick panels here, because we're quickly coming to the end here, uh, he goes back and he gets to see Aunt May and, uh, you know, oh, those cookies for me. Next panel. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter, it makes me so glad to have you back in town. Just like old times. <laughs> of course, they do say years later when May Parker dies of natural causes. Uh, but 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 still, you know, that's kind of abrupt there, man. Um, so he's happy in his life as the six armed Spider-Man. He can hide his arms and he becomes a, such a boon to, to, you know, uh, I'm losing it to, um, how things play out with the cosmic and the cosmic and the cosmopolitan, not the drink, but the city. And, um, we see that he goes on and he helps defeat Thanos and they talk about secret wars uh, and he, you know, that he gained the costume and then, then it goes to Venom and so on. He, now it says that he, and he faces Mephisto takes on the green goblin. These are the, Oh, and he's able to prevent the death of Gwen Stacy, which is almost like a small afternote that you almost barely miss. So basically in this iteration of what if, Peter Parker's life actually turned out better for having the arms than if he hadn't had them, which is sometimes for a what if is usually not always. I mean, this is usually not always the case. Usually there's some dark twist or, you know, everything went to hell in a handbasket. But here things turned out pretty well. And on the last final panel, we have the watcher looking over. Uh, uh, Peter did become a symbol. That was the word I was looking for earlier. A symbol to um, people who were handicapped, although I still argue he's not handicapped. But uh, he goes on and, you know, uh, uh, the last panel shows him with a, a group of uh, special needs children. And basically, in this this version, everybody lives happily ever after. Okay, you know how, like, there's the island of misfit toys, and there's, like, one or two of them you look at and you say, what's what's wrong with them? Why would, you know, why wouldn't somebody want, you know, like a, I was a water gun somebody... that shoots jelly? 
Now, see, I was wondering if you were going to say something because some of these people don't really look handicapped to me. Well, the one that Spider-Man's holding looks fine. I mean, I mean, he could be Tiny Tim before the, you know, like being being held up. You know, the God bless us, Spider-Man. There's Everyone. A, there's a small Asian child that looks fine. Yeah, what's wrong with that kid? He's fine. He's like I a mean, Charlie in the box. Nobody likes a Charlie in the box. I mean, the other ones you could see. Obviously, this one kid has cancer because he's got no hair. Uh, there's oh, a girl in a wheelchair. The boy's got a uh, a claw. A, he's got a he's got a, yeah. He's got a prosthetic arm. Right. I think claw is not the appropriate term. <laughs> and then uh, the other guy's got uh, crutches and braces on his legs. So mm-hmm. those you know they drew handicapped kids. I'm I'm guessing you know maybe the other kids are mentally challenged or something. I don't know. I don't mean to make light of disabilities. It just doesn't look you know. Well, it doesn't actually, jump out at you. Actually, you know what I think? I think the kid behind the wheelchair, not the little small boy, but the one with the purple and white horizontal striped shirt. Oh, God, poor poor color choices, kid. I think he's the watcher's illegitimate son. <laughs> no hair. He's got that gaze looking at you. I'm telling you. The watcher's doing more staring than... staring at me, man. <laughs> the watcher's doing more than watching... <laughs> there's the one panel where he's sitting there and there's three screens all of which have pictures of Gwen Stacy on it oh yeah <laughs> you yeah know, you know Uatu you're supposed to be watching the whole world stop watching my girlfriend man <laughs> yeah could any degree oh yeah he's like oh and what about Peter's personal life and then we have the three views of Gwen now, Stacy now it's, you, you gotta excuse me because now's the time that Gwen takes a shower <laughs> I must watch what i do whoa dude that's creepy uh i mean the art here is is 90s forte it's adequate to tell the story i mean i like the opening um there's a nice homage on the front cover to amazing spider-man 15 um you know but updated i mean it's the same striking pose with Swinging with the arms wide, but this time he's holding two other guys underneath also. You mean Amazing Fantasy 15? Amazing Fantasy. Sorry, sorry. My bad. Oh, God. I've lost geek cred. Shoot me now. Get it. You're done. Uh, You'll never work in this town again, Robinson. (laughs) So, uh, and also the opening splash. I like that picture of Spider-Man with the six arms. I mean, you know, a lot of people have a hard time drawing two arms atomically anatomically correct let alone six and making it and still being able to pull it off and i think they do a pretty good job there you can see there's some points where they have difficulty with lining them up but overall that that's not a problem i had with the art overall that they did pretty well with that yeah Uh, the shot of uh the lizard when he first transforms i really like when he's when he's when he looks like he's trying to take a dump or when he's actually starting to turn green? <laughs> I, guess, I guess when he looks like he's trying to take a dump. Uh, but uh, only wanted to uh, help you. Oh, no, well, Sorry, Doc, should I leave for a minute? Af- after he's right? actually converted into the lizard. Oh, when he's, when he's got the full, yeah, the full tr- transformation. That does Basically pretty like good. kind of a half page shot of him. You know, he looks like he's going to do a ballet move the way he's standing. <laughs> and now a pirouette. He's he's got the drool. They got the motion lines around his hands and his shoulders. To sh- you know, he's like getting ready to pounce. 
tails coming wrapping around. He's got the purple ripped pants like the Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's the one. I, I like that shot. Mm-hmm. But overall, the art is kind of pedestrian. Yeah, it tells a story. Yeah. Now, uh, Marvel Girl looks pretty good in her outfit. The little green outfit there. And she's just in the one shot. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that is the only shot of her in the whole book. Well, it's you know. You would then think we have the on one of the watches screens. <laughs> then we have the ghostly image of Franklin, Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt and Helen Keller floating above uh, Professor X's head. Looks like a very happy uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah. Yep. Helen Keller, you know, I couldn't tell she, you what Helen Keller actually looked like, so. She looks a little morose in that picture, but. Uh, she looks kind of like uh, Susan B. Anthony. Wait, let me pull out a dollar. Oh, yeah, you're. No, man. Like I have one. <laughs> I it's like I have a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Some guy in a wig on it. I don't know what you're talking about. And, of course, we have the. Uh, the, the Aunt May, but you know, she's holding her heart, but I think she's getting ready to slug him too. She's got her fist cocked up, like wham, like she's gonna just deck him. Hey, eek my heart, poof. He, she, he, as soon as he went and saw her anyway, she died. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cookies. Uh. uh, the thing with the cigar in his mouth. Mm. The it's, thing to it's, me, it's kind of big enough. No, he it looks kind of wonky. It's like it's like his legs are not proportioned to his chest. Like his chest should be bigger. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, his mm-hmm. thighs are massive and his arms looks look like they could be a little smaller. I, I mean, they should be larger and his chest doesn't just doesn't look right. I mean, his face looks pretty good. He's got the cigar. He's got that surprised look when <laughs> Spider-Man hits the cigar out of his mouth. Poof. So, yeah. Overall, uh, I kind of thought, you know, it was okay. I don't know. Yeah. Really, I, 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 I think there's a reason these what-if stories usually have unhappy endings. It just seems like they tried so hard to make it inspirational that it, you know, it almost seems like it should be, you know, like one of these issues that they give away free and it's sponsored by, you know, Special Olympics or, yeah, or something you like know, that. Yeah. Like it's a message issue. It's a very special what if. Yeah. Like, well, this would be around the time frame. Isn't this about the time frame of Hero? No, that would have been the 80s. Heroes for Hope and, and such. Uh, yeah, for, I think that like, feminine. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, that last big sp- splash, which in my version is cut in half, which is annoying, with Th- Thanos, Venom, Electro, mm-hmm. Sandman. That one looks pretty good. The Mercurial Menace of Sandman. Mercurial. Wouldn't it be the Silicon Menace of Sandman? Silicony. S- Silicony Salaciousness of Sandman. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, and I forgot our. We need to introduce my segment. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Real Life with Dr. Bill Robbins. Greetings, fellow uh, listeners. So, one time when I was in the Navy, we were doing a man overboard drill. Now, the way that usually happens is 
we have a thing, a little guy that they take uh, a canvas and they stuff them full of uh, life preserver innards. Uh, it's called K-Pac. They stuff this little um, canvas man that's painted red and they call him Oscar because it's an Oscar drill. So they throw Oscar overboard. And usually they wait for the lookouts to spot them, and we go through a whole man overboard, man overboard, and the ship turns and comes back around, and they take a gaffing hook, and they reach down and pull Oscar out of the water. Is that and how you all... rescue a real man overboard? No, that was my <laughs> next thing I was going to get to. That was my next thing, is that usually they deploy a boat, they drop it, and they usually have the SAR swimmer, which is the sea air, sea air rescue swimmer, go out, get the guy, pull him in a boat, and pull him back on shore. So... We're out there and we're watching the thing and they're pulling around to come up to uh, to pick up Oscar. And all of a sudden we see Oscar disappear. I'm like, what the, what happened? And then he surfaces again. And then we see him like roll over and he disappears again. He was being attacked by sharks. Just like Morbius. Just like Morbius. So when I was reading this, I was all I could think of was poor Oscar out there floating in a we we actually lost him because they ripped him to pieces and all the pieces floated away and they couldn't you know, the US Navy couldn't put Oscar together again. He just got he just got tore up and he was gone. And it was a sad day and they had to make another one. So the end. Come back next time, ladies and gentlemen, for the next episode of Real Life with Dr. Bill Robinson. And I guess that's it for Marvel. I just, I, I really like the way Mobius just gets taken out. <laughs> I get a kick out of that. I mean, he gets taken out by one, I see one, two, three, four, five, five fins and a tail. Like six sharks at one time. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't know, it just seemed so. But, but why did they attack him? I mean, he's a vampire. Does he bleed? Well, they said they said uh, his blood his blood soaked clothing stained the water, and the stent was picked up by another equally vicious predator. Mm. The, the most, most feared. Look, look at the picture where it says the most feared denizen of the deep. Shark oh. looks like he's saying, "Hey, what's going on over here?" <laughs> it's kind of like a like a dopey looking shark. Looks yeah. like Jabber Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's Morbius, guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I, he's 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 a kind of handicapped guy too. Look at the way his tail is. <laughs> he's taken out by <laughs> the handicapped sharks, the Special Olympic sharks. All the slow sharks were able to catch up the Morbius, I guess. Hey, where you going? You look kind of tasty. Hey, don't pry my jaw! Crack! Ah, oh, my mouth! Nobody's got to fix my jaw. You bastard. <laughs> uh, so, and so on to the DC. <laughs> we had some fun with this one, though. Yeah, no, it was, it was it was definitely a worthwhile read. It wasn't one of these ones where I feel like, you know, God, I, I hate that I wasted my time reading it. It just, you know, it's kind of like, all right, I read it and it's done. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, thought it was going to have, I, I had forgot about the end. So when I, I started reading, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's gonna be some horrible twist at the end of this. What? Ah. Yeah, huh? It's gonna end. He's gonna have twelve arms. <laughs> he turns into a spider. So back to the DC. 
and now, back. As we've discussed, sometimes I try to pick a book that I have some fond memories of, and other times I go something I've always wanted to read. And this time I went truly random. I just said, let me just pick a book that I've never read before, but not with any kind of you know, thought process as to which book. And I grabbed New Titans number 97 from May of 1993. Here come the Teen Titans, a quartet of towering talents. Kid Flash, whose speed defies the eye to follow. Wonder Girl, swift and powerful super lass. Speedy, whose fantastic arrows perform awesome feats. Aqualad, bold and daring marine marvel. Fabulous foursome for right against might, the Teen Titans. By that time, the price had gone way up, and it was $1.75 an issue. Scandalous. The cover is by Tom Grummet and inked by Al Vey. Uh, I think it's a pretty cool cover. It's got a mulleted, mulleted changeling. He's center stage carrying some type of device, and he's running from some mechanical tentacles, lasers, some type of atomic fire. And the cover tells us, to save Cyborg's soul, Changeling must sell his own. And the title of our story is An Unholy Pact. It's Actually, my note says it's written by Tom Grummet. Is that accurate? I think that's. I think I actually accidentally wrote Tom Grummet twice. It's written by Marv Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say inside it says Marv Wolfman. It's penciled by Tom Grummet. It's inked by Al Vey, lettered by John Costanza, and colored <laughs> by Adrian Roy. Story opens at Dayton Industries, where we see security guards unconscious on the ground with some type of gas around them and a uh, white-gloved hand getting a key and accessing some buttons to enter the facility. The second page is a splash where we see that the gloved hand belongs to Changeling. His internal monologue tells us that Cyborg has had his memory erased and that the Changeling is breaking into his father's facility to get one of his father's Mento helmets because he's made a deal with someone. He makes his way through the elaborate security protocols and gets the helmet, once he's in the street, he's confronted by someone with a strong comic book-like German accent who is wearing an overcoat, a hat, and a scarf, which virtually covers all of his features. And he's looking for Changeling to keep his end of the bargain. And the two of them spar back and forth verbally, and Changeling decides he can't carry out his plan, but Colonel Clink explodes with energy and knocks, the chain, knocks down the Changeling and takes the helmet, and at that point, he basically disrobes, and we see that he's Plasmus. At this point, we leave Plasmus and join the soap opera portion of our book, where Dick Grayson and Corey Anders, a.k.a. Nightwing and Starfire, are at a store called, the Vid called Video Time. Dick is very impressed by the letterbox formatting of the VHS tape of The Star Rovers Volume 1. Corey isn't quite as impressed because she's just a little perturbed about the fact that Dick apparently bumped ugly with some other chick that was pretending to be her. <laughs> He's a guy and figures that she was a physical duplicate of her and that that explains everything. But she's a chick and explains that she's still upset because he should have figured out it wasn't her based on how she did things. Now, I got to defend dick a little bit here because i mean when you're in that position 
You're really not sitting there starting to take a personality inventory. Well, you know, she wasn't so happy when I did this. You're just saying, <laughs> give me some release. Uh, I tell you, man, you just can't win because if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, yeah. you know my, my take on it is when little Dick Grayson is working out, you kind of expect big Dick Grayson's brain to take a nap. Anyway, she freaks out and flies off, leaving Dick to deal with paparazzi, and he decks one of them. He <laughs> figures that it's probably not a wise course of action for him to go back to his apartment with, I guess, Starfire. And he's looking for a place to crash, but he doesn't have a lot of luck. We next cut to a scene where we join Elizabeth Alderman, a woman who has designs on being the mayor of New York. She's confronted by a hooded woman who I think is Raven, but we never do really see her face clearly, so I'm not entirely certain if it's Raven or if it's somebody else who is similar to her, maybe a relative of hers. I'm not really familiar with the storyline either, so I'm not 100% sure there. And... They look like they're about to kiss. Yeah, and she basically says that she's all of Ms. Alderman's hopes, dreams, and deepest desires. She hugs her, but then that hug leaves her on the ground in the fetal position saying no, no, no over and over and over again. So I guess really wasn't much of a hug. We mm-hmm. cut back to Nightwing, who is meeting with Roy Harper, formerly Speedy, sidekick to the Green Arrow, who is now a federal agent assigned to Checkmate. Roy says that Congress is considering investigating all superhero organizations and that their cooperation could prevent Congress from passing laws that will have an adverse effect on them. Night, Nightwing literally says that they can kiss his ass uh, with the word ass covered up by a, another word <laughs> balloon and swings away. We cut to Azerath, which is now a lifeless and dead world where a shadowy figure, who I assume is the same raven from earlier, and uh, they show her with some wild hair and she's basically laughing and saying farewell to Raven. So I, I don't I don't know exactly what's going on there. It's obviously a subplot, and I'm sure it deals with Trigon. And I may read the rest of these and see, because it, it actually was kind of interesting. We cut back to Plasmus, who takes an elevator from an alleyway. You sure and, that's not Dr. Doom's time machine? Yeah, it looks just like <laughs> Dr. Doom's time machine. And he brings the Mentello helmet over to M- Monsieur Mala and the Brotherhood of Evil, who are going to use it to revive the brain. And that's where our story ends on, on that cliffhanger. Uh, overall, I liked this issue. I thought it was a pretty cool start. It, it kind of joins in the story already in progress because there's the whole subplot with, well, not subplot, but whole storyline with Cyborg having been, uh, have, had his memory erased. Uh, you know, obviously what's going on between uh, Starfire and Nightwing and, and the whole... Uh, basically civil war subplot with the with the government investigating superheroes there's just a lot of different things going on at once but while that's a strength of the book it's also the weakness because it feels like a bridge issue it's just taking us to the next story and it it basically leaves off at the beginning of really what you you know what you think is going to be the confrontation so there's not a lot of action in the book but overall, I thought it was a pretty good story. I like the artwork. Uh, I mean, Tom Grummet's just a good artist. I think a lot of this looks to me like he was channeling the George Perez Teen Titans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we, I was thinking that too when I was looking through here. 
which you know there's nothing wrong with that if you're doing it well and he did do it pretty well so i don't i don't i don't mean that as a criticism uh especially well, with the with the full page spread of plasmas yeah i think that's a great shot mm-hmm. the only thing about that shot i don't like is the hand where he's holding the mentalo helmet it doesn't look like he's actually got a grip on the helmet in any way yeah. so it's just kind of like the helmet's floating on his fingertips but other than that i think it's a pretty cool shot he looks menacing uh you know the the little wisps of smoke coming off of him do create the image of heat uh i get a kick out of his german accent throughout you know <laughs> schnell give it to me <laughs> <laughs> you give your word give yes yeah so, that is mine jungling schnell give it to me I know nothing, I see nothing, and I say nothing. If only it had been Arnold Schwarzenegger. Actually, he looks like the thing back in the days of the trench coat and the hat. I, I'd never thought of the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. I kind of like that. <laughs> Idiot, you do not play games with the brotherhood of evil. <laughs> because, my man, there is no ulterior motive here. He wishes only to save his own life. So I saw him as German, but perhaps he's Austrian. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger could play Plasmus. Yeah. We're going to go to my brother, the Akinator. <laughs> oh, yeah, then you idiot. You know, you don't play games with the brother, not unless you wish to be burned. Hasta la vista, baby. Check out the, the hair on uh, Starfire, too. I mean, George Perez did the same thing, but she's got one huge head of hair. Oh, yeah. Speaking of changeling and, uh, not, well, I mean hair, that, that, don't worry, I'm going so, somewhere with this. Uh, when I went to Free Comic Book Day, there was a guy who had a changeling outfit. Did he have the he, mullet? He had a big fro. He had a big green fro, and uh, he was painted green. Arms, face, uh, any exposed skin was green. I'm like, what the? It's like nice outfit. I mean, he he looked like he looked like Changeling. It was it was an awesome outfit. That is that is pretty cool. But it's uh, it, you know it's, I guess it's a sign of the times that Changeling and Dick Grayson both have mullets. Oh yes, this was the '90s. Superman had the mullet by now, didn't he? It was well, though, some argue that he did not have a mullet. He just had long hair. <laughs> there there is that argument out there. I I think the hair in the front wasn't all that long. So if it's Shorter in the front, long in the back. I believe that's definition of mullet. So, and let's see, Mayor Elizabeth Alderman. We know wears garters. Yes, on page sixteen, she wears garters. She's got a uh, like the washboard uh, abs. Mm-hmm. And high heels. She's got grayish hair, but she's kind of hot. Yeah, let's keep this a family show. Except, Paul. except when she's in the fetal <laughs> position, because yeah. she looks like she's just been through that's something that she should not be through. That's not real sexy there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm not even gonna try. I'm not even gonna try to count the nose. Yeah, she was not happy. And I guess uh, Dick Grayson doesn't know the term subtlety. Speedy, <laughs> as he's diving onto the rooftop. Yeah, I mean he like. Yeah, really? kind of like he's screaming it, speedy, and it's in red, and it's exclamation point. Yeah. Really, you couldn't keep that a little quieter. Oh, and he says, "Please don't call me speedy." These days, oh, those days are long over with. I'm Agent Harper now. 
Now that you've blown my cover, jackass. <laughs> well, he he spent through everything because he was a drug addict, right? Was, was he it could... in, in the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow? That's was when he, could... when he had a heroin uh, addiction. Was he a convicted felon? How do you get a job as a federal agent? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know if he oh, was well, The crisis took care of that, I guess. I guess so. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, he's he went he went through not that long ago where he lost <coughs> he lost an arm, mm. and then he I think he had a relapse into drugs and I don't know. Now I was listening to some other podcasts recently. <gasps> Scandalous! I was listening to just one of the guys with uh, Sean Engel, and he had Thomas DJ on there, and one of the things they were hinting at was that, uh, and it was in on another. They, they talked about that, and then there was also one with Luke Giaconetti on there, and they, they had made reference to um, some of this Teen Titans era and that even though Marv Wolfen was writing it and maybe Mike Bailey or one of the other guys can, can chime in or someone, or, or maybe Luke or uh, Thomas, if he's listening, can send in, saying that um, they, they were saying that Marv, Marv Wolfen was in kind of a dark time at this period, and that some of these books are kind of dark and like he didn't really want to be on it and that this really isn't a good time for the Titans. I could be wrong. I could be getting the time frame m- m- mixed up. But I think because that's about where um, Sean is in his coverage of uh, of Green Lantern um, with Kyle and uh, uh, Guy. So I'm not sure if this is the era. I think this is the era that they were talking about. I mean – now we're looking at one book beginning of a of a of a of a storyline. So, you know, maybe there's things going on here that we don't see. You know, maybe if we mm. read more of it, we would know exactly what they're talking about. But, you know, I mean, for this issue standalone, I mean, the art's good. It seems to be an interesting storyline. It's the return of an old foe. I know I've got a lot of the early Marv Wolfman, uh, George George Perez. Uh, uh, Teen Titans books, which you know that artwork is awesome. I love mm-hmm. those books. I think it holds up too. Yeah. Did you get that graphic novel that came out? I got uh, it. I haven't read it yet. Games. Yes. Yes. I have not read it yet, but I have it, and I keep saying I'm going to sit down and read it, and I just keep. It's on the pile of you know, with so many other things that I want to read. I got that, and then I had I got called away to work. This is when I still worked for Simplex Grinnell. I got called away, and I had to go up to Madison Square Garden to work on the fire alarm system there. This was uh, about a not last October, but like the October before, and um, they called for people all around the country to come up there and work just for a weekend to work like two twelve you know twelve hour shifts on like a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday to fly to New York and I took the games graphic novel with with me that that's where that all you know so that was that was my reading material when I was stuck in a hotel in the, in the Pennsylvania hotel across the street from Madison Square Garden but it was mm. pretty cool to work in there it was neat yeah I've been to many well I mean we're talking 30 years ago 35 years ago but me and my buddies were at many a comic-con in the hotel across the street from Madison Square Garden mm. and until Last year, the My Carbo show was across from the garden, and my son and I went to that. Cool. Where do they hold it now? Is it in in the city? Where's the uh, Where's the New York? New York Comic Con is at the Javits Center, Center. which is 
pretty much walking distance from the garden. Probably about a ten minute walk from there. Because the you know underneath the garden is Penn, is Penn Station. Yeah, which I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so from my house, you take the Long Island Railroad to Penn Station, and then you walk to the Javits Center from there. Mm. Yeah, because I I flew in. I took took the train from um, uh, the one in Jersey. And, yeah, trains. Uh, that also sh- goes to Penn Station. And boom, you know, I was like, okay, so where's Madison Square Garden? Oh, it's oh, it's above me. Okay, where's my Go up hotel? Go those stairs and you're there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I walked out. Wow, neat. I mean, I had been to 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 New York before. I just hadn't been in that area, so that was pretty awesome. And then we're getting out. Now we're tangenting again. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm one of these people who kind of takes it a little bit for granted because, you know, I've been going to the garden for years and years and years, and it's like, okay, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. What? But I, you know, in other places, it's just like the most famous arena, you know. Well, plus, what was neat is that the actual rink or the basketball—I mean, the actual performing area—is on the fifth floor. That you've got all the sub levels underneath it, mm-hmm. and then beneath that, you have the train station. You know, it's like uh, well, we don't really go too deep here in Florida. We go too deep here in the water. <laughs> We don't have this, you know, a house with a basement, maybe in North Florida, but not where I live, unless you, like, reinforce it to keep water out. You know, the water table is a little too low. Either that or you'll dig down into a freaking sinkhole and your whole house will collapse. Yeah. Hooray. I love where I live. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I've, you know, I've been to Florida, but I've never been to your neck of the woods in Florida, so... I cannot comment. It's flat. It's right on the water. It's all right. You've been to Orlando, right? I've been to Orlando. I've been to Cocoa Beach. It's like it's just like Cocoa Beach, except the water's on the other side. I spent the entire time looking for Tony and Jeannie. All right, we got anything? Okay, Doctor Doom's time machine. Yeah, I don't know what's up with. Uh, uh, with Raven, or if that is Raven. Yeah, I'm yeah, not I, sure. I, about I have the story no knowledge. I don't know if it's kind of like Raven being tempted by the dark side, or if it's Raven's sister. You know what I mean? I, I'm not sure. Mm. But it's definitely something to do with Raven. Uh, do you find Monsieur Mala to be more intimidating because he wears a belt buckle with a skull that has bad boy written on it? I like the old Monsieur Mala. Uh, <laughs> this one does not impress me. <laughs> and I can't remember I can't remember the other three's names. I, I forget. I want to say the guy in the back with the headdress is uh, Hogan? That's or uh, am I thinking the Hogan from Thor? That's... I could be. And I cannot remember what the guy in yellow with the like the caterpillar head fucking thing what he does i just don't remember but i do remember the brotherhood of evil i remember brother blood back back from the old stuff i just cannot remember these characters names though well i just it's i just punched it up on wikipedia you got the brain is the leader monsieur mala is it pinky yes pinky and the brain 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 pinky please i've got to plan for tomorrow night why? What are we doing tomorrow night, Brain? A 
the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. There's Gemini. I'm not sure who that is. Warp. Plasmus. It's Hoongan. H-O-U-N-G-A-N. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> okay. Phobia. Trinity. Elephant Man. I am not an animal. Goldilocks. General Immortus. Madame Rogue. And Gorgax. <laughs> I guess Madame Rogue. Or is it Rouge? Rouge, I guess. Rouge. Isn't Rouge red? Why is she wearing green? Or is that Phobia? I'm so confused. Do they have pictures? I'm just, I'm, I punched up the individual ones and I don't see a picture. Stupid Wikipedia. So we should edit this thing. Wait, let me. Monsieur Mala even has an earring with a skull. Yeah, he's just too cool. He's got a shotgun over his back. He's got some shells on his uh, shoulder. He's got the spiked wristbands. God. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is the bad time of. <laughs> if if I if I were a biker dude, I'd be insulted by that portrayal. I do like the way they did the uh, Brotherhood of Evil on the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, because I remember the voice of the brain was kind of weird sounding. Yeah, well, it was kind of a Stephen Hawking kind of voice. <laughs> And and you know, Monsieur Mala had 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 the French accent and all. Uh huh. <laughs> all right, maybe not that bad. <laughs> yeah, like a French waiter. He was he was not Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> <laughs> He's a monkey. I am a monkey. Is not my dog. <laughs> that is not my dog. Actually, yeah, he didn't even say that. <laughs> Was it the one? Oh, no, that was it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, tangent, tangent, tangent. Video time. Videos. What's a video? What was? Oh, the, the video store. Yeah, VHS yeah. tapes. Woohoo! Well, DVDs came in, you know, became popular around 98. So this is about five years before that. He does mention Laserdisc, though. So... The two people that are looking at Coriander, are, I mean, obviously they're staring at her hair. <laughs> well, there's Uatu. Uatu? The Watcher. The Watcher. <laughs> Where's he at? I don't see He's him. a perp. He's got probably oh. got to run a TV screen right now. <laughs> oh, I, I got to go to the Coriander channel. Gwen Stacy's done in the shower. Hey, that's DC. You can't look at it. Uh, I, can, I can look at alternate universes. Go away. <laughs> Go where I'll keep watching you. Whoa! Dude, that's creepy. So in, in the background, we have the two people, both the man and the woman are looking at her. So I don't know if uh, the woman is with the guy looking at, you know, saying, hey, what are you looking at? Or if they're both looking at her. I mean, she's wearing a black miniskirt and a white top. A white tank top. A white tank top, and she's got orange skin. I You know, I guess I'd probably have to stare, too. And, I mean... They are famous. Even if Dick's secret identity isn't known, he's still, you know, the ward of millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. So, yeah. And she's a chick with orange skin, green eyes, and 
Yeah, I don't think she actually had a secret identity. Yeah. I haven't read much of the new 52, so I'm not quite sure what's been done, although I've heard rumor. Uh, yeah, I had read the first issue of, what was it, Red Hood and the Outlaws or something like that, and they basically make her into a, uh, basically a sex machine. Yeah, but she was kind of like that before, but it was an innocence about it. I mean, she wasn't an out-and-out tramp, from what I remember. I mean, she, she wasn't. Was, is that a question? Well, I mean... No, no, it's, it, it's, it's by, saying by, past by, tense. By, okay, okay, yeah, she, I got apparently she is now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the, in the good old days, she had an innocence about her. She was... She was a good kid, a little misguided, a little. She she didn't have a lot of inhibitions. Let's just say it that way. But she wasn't out and out. You know, hey baby, let's go. You yeah, know, she wasn't aggressive. Right. Exactly. But From I what think, I remember, I think in the uh, in in the current day and age, she is. Mm. Along with Catwoman, apparently too. Yes. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Turn myself green and become the changeling. Of course, right. probably the only animal I'd turn into would be a hippo. <laughs> uh, All right, see you next week, everyone. <laughs> Good night, everyone. We're out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsen.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.